Welcome to Convo Lounge Expression Exposure Experience. Welcome to the Convo Lounge podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Yandi Lenuku, and we're here to talk about a segment that's very close to my heart, and we call it the HR Couch. Now, that's where we bring HR professionals uh, to come and share their perspective around the issue of unemployment. And if you've been joining us over the past episodes, you know, we've spoken to higher academic institutions around their approach to helping talent to become employable or industry ready. We spoke about the difference between uh, having a certificate for a degree or graduating and actually building a career. That is two separate things. Uh, we've spoken about the importance of research in closing the unemployment gap. Uh, we've also spoken to other talent uh, who have benefited from Botswana's great education policies, who have went on to study overseas and now they're back in the country uh, to transfer the knowledge that they got from those economies. And we've spoken about different opportunities amongst uh, various value chains, chains such as the data value chain. Um, what else did we discuss? So we discussed quite a lot and it'll be interesting to hear uh, from an HR professional's perspective. We've also spoken to talent who have been through, you know, the system in the government where they go through the national internship program meant to increase the employability of talent coming in from our tertiary education institutions, some of which have gone on to start businesses from the internship program that are now becoming uh, globally recognized. So it's only fit that we start to now talk to the absorbers or those that actually demand the talent uh, from the market after tertiary institutions actually supply this particular talent. And so we're joined in studio by an HR professional, Ms. Boyang. I don't want to butcher her surname, so I'm going to let her tell us her surname. And um, she's had a combination of perspectives in terms of industry experience as a as an individual dealing with talent. She's worked both in corporate, responsible obviously from the identifying recruitment, selection, actual development of talent, but also within the banking sector. But she's also uh, also decided, look, I want to actually start my own agency where I help talent uh, to develop their careers. And so she's got an agency called Talent Corner. We're going to hear a little bit about that. And last but not least, you know, she's also still working full time and she won't mention the organization she works for, but she's now actively also now on the other end where she's representing the rights of other workers across other organizations. So that's a pretty interesting space to be in uh, to give us great insights around this big, big thing uh, called unemployment and to hear her point of view. Poyang, welcome to Convalanche. I hope you're well. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm very well. Um, I think you covered my profile, <laughs> did it proper justice. Yeah. Um, but like you said, yes, uh, my name is Boya Mufahote. I'm an HR professional. I do generalist HR, which basically means I just delve into all areas of HR. Um, my particular passion, uh, I would say, lies within the space of learning and development and talent management, yeah. um, which speaks a lot also to the work that we do um, with my consultancy, Talent Corner. But like you mentioned, yes, I do have an eight to five where I do all things people management still and get to more or less um, work on the side of the employer and representative uh, for staff. So this is an area that's quite uh 
special to my heart and I, I hope I'll be able to impart some um, knowledge and just uh, key highlights here and there for those who need to to get it. Yeah. And obviously it'd be great to like highlight Talent Corner. I, I see that it's quite close to your heart. But tell me, uh, I've read somewhere that the issue of unemployment is both quantitative and qualitative, right? In other words, we could have 200,000 vacancies for a job and have talent on the other side, 200,000 young people. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will fill in those those jobs because it's not just an issue of quantity, but it's also an issue of qualitative, the matching. Do they actually fit into those roles? Do they have the knowledge that we need in those particular roles? Which brings me to this. We often speak about unemployment and that uh, in Botswana specifically, but I believe this is also a challenge across Africa. We don't have industry-ready graduates. What does that actually mean from your end as somebody who's been on the other hand in the industry? So you've already touched on a bit uh, around that, right? There's there's the knowledge. Mm. Uh, I think in one of your episodes, you, you mentioned that you covered having a certificate or qualification, mm. uh, but there's still that gap in terms of how do you then apply that to having a career or work? So the issue isn't necessarily that the knowledge isn't there. The issue is that um, there's some sort of skills mismatch in the sense that um, our graduates don't have the right skills uh, to be ready or to transition into mm. the working space. Uh, it's something that to a certain extent is downplayed. Uh, there's this whole issue around being technically ready. So technically ready, yes, we all are as graduates because we have that foundation. We have that certificate qualification, as you say, but in terms of job readiness and work readiness, industry ready, it's 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 a buzzword, yes, uh, but for the most part, it basically just means we need graduates, we need talent that will be able to more or less hit the ground running and uh, operate successfully in the corporate space, in the work environment, regardless of whether private, public, but just having those skills to support the technical areas uh, or your background uh, mm. that you have from from varsity. So what does that mean, actually? I mean, are we speaking time management skills? Are we speaking uh, problem solving, change management, communications? What type of these skills are they that help uh, talent coming out of university? This person is industry ready. So as much as there's technical skills, what you're speaking to is soft skills, mm. right? Uh, the best part about them is that there's usually a few that are applicable across. Okay. So I think the one thing that, the advantage that our graduates have is that they have uh, technology at the tip of the hands. So all you need to do is search and make sure that uh, you are in line or aligned to the top skills that are required in industry. So like you mentioned, communication skills, teamwork, uh, collaboration, flexibility, are you adaptive? Are you able to be a leader? Uh, leadership does not mean necessarily operating from a leadership or being in a top position, but it basically means if you're in the workplace, will you be able to take things hands on? Yeah. Will you be able to lead? Would you be able to be accountable and responsible? So soft skills in that sense are the, the soft in the sense that um, you learn them 
you learn them, you nurture them, you work over time. You can't necessarily get to 100%. There are people who are in CEO positions who, for the most part, are still developing their leadership skills, right? So I think the one tip that I can give in that area is just make sure that um, you are in tune and you appreciate, one, what a soft skill is basically to begin with, Mm -hmm. right? How to work on them. Um, Get online, do free courses, uh, engage mentors to actually know which uh, skills are needed in the industry and where you basically are sitting in terms of um, having those skills. Um, Yeah, so with, with soft skills as well, the best thing about them is that as industry or uh, advertisers for, for jobs, there's usually a section that's called competencies. So soft skills are, are competencies. If you are applying for a position or want to know more uh, about a position, study those competencies because that's basically them saying, in addition to you ticking against the boxes of the technical, these are some of the skills that we want. These these are some of the areas that will set you apart from everybody else who's ticked those boxes. But now remember, there still needs to be a decision to be made, Hori. Yandile Boyang, who do we select in that area? Okay, so with technology, I mean, now we've got your chat GPTs. You basically take those competencies you're describing, you take your CV, and you ask chat GPT to tailor make your, 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 your CV in accordance to that, which means it's becoming increasingly difficult for you as HR professionals to tell those who legitimately um, have been able to build those competencies to match what you're looking for. Now, my question to you as an HR professional is, on the other side, of the table, um, what challenges are you facing to actually identify the right talent? How do you tell that this person is industry ready or they've got the right competencies just from submitting a CV or showing up for an interview? So likely, like you were mentioning, technology is doing a lot uh, in that space because I'm sure as you can appreciate uh, the recruitment, it's called a recruitment cycle because it's ongoing and uh, it just requires, there's a lot of input that goes into that. But in terms of um, the advances that have been made in the screening side, screening basically just means uh, getting those applications and knowing which ones are going forward with 100%. -hmm. So uh, we have what is called application tracking systems, which are more or less doing the screening element because all you do is feed into uh, the system and they will just pick out exactly what uh, you are looking for in terms of the prerequisites, right? Remember, at this point, you have not even met the individuals. Like you're saying, um, there's a lot of movement or development also in terms of just making sure that your resume, all you have to do is literally input it into another system that will probably, or give it to someone like me who can do it for you. But you need to also bring to the table uh, certain elements that will set you apart, right? When you're meeting recruiters in person, it's basically representing your brand that is put in the CV, which is why it's also important to make sure that what you have in your CV is close to as accurate as possible. Because remember, there's now assessments that Mm. will also... uh, Psychometric. Exactly. That will also validate, basically, what what you've input or what you've brought uh, to the interview. So... Yes, it's difficult, and if you know what you're doing and if your organization has a structured way uh, to recruit, it becomes a lot simpler because you then know that the way you're going to approach uh, recruitment for graduates is completely different to the way you're going to, say, for example, recruit at C-suite level. Mm -hmm. So it's not all doom and gloom for graduates. Um, Organizations that are 
appreciative of the unemployment levels, the challenges that young people are, are facing in this country, do put in effort uh, to make sure that they're supported as best as possible and that the process is seamless, basically. Okay, that's interesting. So I'm a young graduate. I just finished college. Uh, Give me a scenario where you had the opportunity to maybe uptake somebody who's just coming in from university. Obviously, they don't have a lot of experience to prove their competencies. What makes that sort of a candidate stand out to say, you know what, I think this person has got potential, a little bit of soft skills training there, and they'll be up and running. So one of the reasons why I was speaking to this not being a, it's not all darkened horrible, there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's a lot of movement. I'm a firm believer in this myself as, as an employer. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of movement now around hiring for potential or talent as opposed to hiring for qualification and uh, what, what you graduated in, right? Mm. What that basically means is that uh, you get potential using whatever criteria you're using, but that person or that individual has to be coachable because mm -hmm. the rest then you can teach, right? So you will find that, I'll give an example, because I've been in this industry before where this concept is implemented quite well. Um, you're getting engineers into the banking space. Uh, engineering qualification now, three, four years later, this person is a full-fledged banker. Mm -hmm. No relation whatsoever to the qualification, but in terms of the skilling, um, once that individual has been... Uh, confirmed into the, into the organization, uh, you skill now in line with the career path. Okay. So what graduates need to do when we now talk about the, the work experience or the experience uh, element is while you're in university, there's so many opportunities uh, mm. that you can work on to mm. get some sort of experience. I always say to graduates, the, the time you spend in university, because it's, it's more or less a flexible um, arrangement. I'm not taking away from the seriousness uh, uh, of it all, but there's tutoring, mm. uh, there's involvement in social activities, church, um, organizing events, um, mentoring or partnering with, with other people in industry just so that you have the basics, right? Mm. So mm. what that does is when you start entering the, the job market, it sets you apart from, say, for example, the people you're in class with because we're all coming with a qualification, but not because I've tutored, you know, I've, I've, I'm able to show that I can run for facilitate to a group, my communication skills tick, uh, I have my leadership skills already. So what that does to an employer, it confirms that, okay, taking you on does not mean we're going to be starting you from scratch. Mm -hmm. It just basically means we're going to be brushing up on a couple of things and then prioritizing where the gaps are okay. to make sure that, that you, you fill that. Okay. So one question that somebody should probably have is, how do I prove that I have potential? And you're saying, if I'm hearing, hearing you correctly, sort of build your um, graduate profile experiences to make sure that it's not just academic qualifications. Is that it? Okay. Well, beyond that, how else do you prove that somebody has potential? Is there a minimum mark of excellence when it comes to academic um, grades, like how do you then prove that, okay, I see they've got extracurricular activities, but this person has potential? So in terms of the criteria, obviously marks will still count. Yeah. Uh, as a fresh graduate, you need to prove honor. Uh, your university experience did come up with something. Most graduate programs actually define the criteria uh, according to the GPE. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a mm -hmm. 
certain uh, cutoff point. Others are a bit more flexible in the sense that if you can prove that uh, you do have a qualification and we're looking for this particular qualification for these certain areas, then you can make it. And then what we're then going to do is just use the interview and the rest of the recruitment assessments mm. to determine whether this person uh, is fit enough or it's one of those still is not suitable for our area or we could recommend for something else. Other people um, do bank on just having an eye for talent because mm -hmm. there actually is such a thing, right? Uh, I've certain recruitment panels where there was actually so much back and forth around a candidate and mm -hmm. as a reputable recruiter who's more or less just uh, done this to, to the point where you... I'd say you're walking your, yeah, it's just automatic. Mm -hmm. You have to stand your guard and say, listen, if anything, then I will be accountable if this goes the wrong way. But it, it takes a certain person to be able to spot talent, but still just leave that little gap where they could be other areas that you still need to work on. It's, it's a beautiful job. Uh, Huge responsibility as well, but okay. it's worth it. Cool. That being said, I'm sure somebody's listening in is finding that insightful. We're going to go for a quick break. Please do stick around as we continue to talk about uh, this issue of unemployment, but also from a human resource uh, professional uh, point of view, what can be really done? Is it something that we can actually solve? Uh, what are the small th changes that we can create in our own immediate spaces uh, to close the unemployment gap in the country? Conva Lounge. Expression, exposure, experience. Welcome back to the Conva Lounge podcast with a special feature called the HR Couch, where we're now talking to HR professionals around what they're particularly experiencing in industry in terms of the demand they have for talent in the market. How do you become industry relevant or how do you become job ready? Uh, and so far, we've spoken about the idea of uh, employers now shifting, not just to look at technical competencies, to looking at the idea of potential and talent. So being able to identify potential, but also being able to identify talent that is coachable, teachable, and that would somewhat have a shorter learning curve uh, to bridge the gap from where they are and what they need to be able to, you know, work effectively in that particular role or position in an organization. We're going to continue the conversation and talk a little bit about uh, the issue of unemployment from an HR point of view, Boyang. Uh, what do you think can be done to solve uh, unemployment from your perspective as an HR leader? Firstly, I think um, I usually just term it a, a great divide. There's a there's a big divide uh, with regards to the actual key decision makers and influences around unemployment. Right? Um, you'll notice that most of the initiatives and programs that are targeted to addressing unemployment um, are implemented from one area. So when I say divide, I'm literally just talking about uh, the decision makers at government level, policy makers in that okay. sense, um, the industry itself and academia, right? Because mm -hmm. those are the, the three key players in the sense that the academic 
uh, side is where the graduates are. They're getting ready to be released to the industry. But at the same time, um, if these three were to coordinate and work around um, these initiatives, then we're getting representation from all areas, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to it coming from a single entity and it literally going live without necessarily evaluating uh, the past programs, initiatives that have been done before, monitoring as well the current ones, how they're doing. Because by doing that, we're basically saying we'll, we'll then have information to uh, address the challenges. One, um, the programs that personally, uh, I, I won't mention any names, but that I'm personally not necessarily in support of, not because the, the, the initiative is wrong in any sense, but we have this thing, uh, and I, I, I hope it, it doesn't come out too wrong, but we have this thing in our country where um, policy is brilliant. We benchmark, um, we put in all, all the relevant uh, research that needs to be done, but it basically then becomes a bottom uh, drawer policy. We've done, we've ticked the boxes, but in terms of implementation, I think that's where we're going wrong, in that we need to have the implementers coming in and coming up with solutions that are relevant also to the actual problem, mm. right? Um, I was on the internship program myself when I started out. This was quite a while back. But just from the work that I do, obviously, with uh, the government interns as well in the different areas that I work with, there really hasn't been much change there. Okay, fine, the allowances have changed and all. But in terms of the implementation of the pro- of the product and the monitoring, it's it's there on paper. But in terms of actually holding the people who are supposed to be uh, monitoring and making sure that uh, the program is running accordingly and that over and above the fact that, yes, graduates are getting the experience, what are we doing as employers to actually absorb? Yeah. Right. Um, there's something that's called a localization plan, right? Mm-hmm. So localization plan is basically just where an organization uh, has to prove to the labor department that, we're getting uh, experts from outside because they have some sort of uh, specialized skills that are in that we don't have in the country. Therefore, we're going to get someone from outside. But at the same time, we need to prove that the locals that we have within our organizations, what are we doing? One, to make sure that we're training them um, for the duration of whoever is his contract so that by the time this person leaves, there's a ready successor, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what we need to be doing in terms of holding organizations accountable is something similar. Uh, I take on uh, graduates for an internship program. What am I going to be held accountable to in terms of making sure that at some point they're going to be ready to be absorbed by myself or even another organization as opposed to it just being a churn um, process where I have a vacancy, I'll take them on, the two years is done, someone else is ready, this one is leaving, like that. So I think in terms of just the different key players just coming to the table and bringing in that very important input um, from both the employer's perspective, um, also the mentality of uh, government being the only solution to this. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we've gotten to a point where I think everybody understands the gravity of the situation and therefore we can't still be holding government to be the only solution to say you are, we are looking at you to solve this. Mm. Well, it's easy to look at this as a challenge that one, the government has, um, of, of course, creating employment is sort of like a public responsibility uh, from a government point of view. Uh, from the talent point of view, obviously needing a job is a challenge that's quite apparent. From an industry point of view, as somebody who's in the HR uh, department of function, 
Do you see this as a problem that you face? Do you have a good enough talent pipeline or do you actually struggle when you're looking for talent? What's, what's the issue there? So I wouldn't say it's a struggle as such, right? Uh, you spoke to this earlier. The numbers are there. Mm. It's quite apparent. Uh, but in terms of having that pipeline, uh, yourself as an organization in HR have to be very intentful around mm. how you do that, right? So is it give us the numbers and we know what to do and we know what we expect and therefore we will also come to the table and help these graduates uh, bridge that gap that is also very clear what they are coming out of these uh, institutions but there are certain areas that still need to be brushed the other way that you could look at this right um I've had an appreciation. I'll just keep referring to myself because I, I find that some of the areas that I've gone are in uh, become relevant when I'm speaking to, to mm -hmm. this topic, right? Um, I've had an opportunity when I finished uh, high school, I, I did A-levels, okay. right? And I usually say that was, for me, a very important step that allowed me to, one, jump into university literally quite early and comfortably, so what we need to do is apply some sort of mechanism that, that revolves around or mirrors something like a, they call it a foundational okay. program sort of, right? Okay. So A-levels, what they did basically because you don't do the same subjects or the total number of subjects that you do uh, in high school, you mm. choose four or five, mm. uh, that allows you to manage your time. Uh, no one is chasing after you to say assignments, deadlines, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So where I'm going to with this is uh, universities and institutions of higher learnings. If they were to come up or maybe even engage industry to say, listen, um, what can we do from our end to make sure that what you are looking for uh, in our graduates, we start working on it before they even uh, graduate or before they're even in the in the job market, right? Mm -hmm. So programs like that basic work readiness um, to say, okay, slowly but surely you engage with, uh, I know there are areas th that do this, but sometimes it's it's a tick box initiative to say, you know what, we have these graduates, can we bring them for, uh, for job shadowing? Um, what is the other word for? Yeah, so basically um, those are some of the initiatives that... Mm -hmm. Apprenticeship, yes. Mm -hmm. So they need to be the both both parties actually need to be very intentful around it. Um, have it be an actual program that is run by someone uh, that is monitored by someone that someone is accountable to as a whole job to say, you know what, now this institution of higher learning A, I am the officer who's responsible for making sure that our graduates undergo work readiness programs, the basic trainings. We um, engage with industry professionals so that they have mentors. If it means having an actual budget for that, because sometimes that's also a challenge, yeah. you know, the budgetary element, then bring people on. A lot of people are willing to do this on pro bono basis. Uh, others are doing this as uh, CSR initiatives. So it's just a matter of just meeting each other halfway to see how can we help our graduates to make sure that by the time that on that side, yeah. um, they're more or less uh, marketable. Mm. Well, I, you've got quite a dynamic profile. Um, I love that you're not just working full-time and playing that HR role of absorbing talent. You've got also something of your own that you've started, Talent Corner. Um, tell us a little bit about that and why did you find the need to start it? Sure. So I think Talent Corner, I would even say, go to the extent of saying HR in itself is a calling uh, for me. I initially went to school actually to, to study psychology. My 
career path was to be a clinical psychologist. Um, but along the way, things changed, goalposts changed, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but it was for the better because I believe that both as an employee who works to make sure that uh, the employee experience for other people is top-notch mm. and as an employer who's mandate basically what we do at Talent Corner is exactly some of the issues that we're addressing today. We have programs that are targeted specifically and that one I'm very, very passionate about, specifically at graduates and uh, fresh entrants into the, the work world. For me, it's it's something that really should have been initiated a long time ago. Every organization needs to make sure that they have some sort of cushion to make sure that the people who are coming in mm. uh, are as comfortable as possible because that's the only way you're going to get the best out of that talent. Mm. So what we do is uh, we partner with uh, other institutions um, to basically provide work readiness uh, training uh, we do CV reviews. It's 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 a whole portfolio. Uh, we do CV reviews. We do interview preparations um, because targeting uh, fresh graduates, uh, you can't always expect them to be coming to the table and paying for your services. So that's where the, the difference is. We have a, a more corporate approach mm-hmm. in that we offer HR solutions and training to corporates. But this particular area, um, we just engage with uh, institutions of higher learnings and other people who are working with young graduates to say, listen, we can have uh, mostly what we do is trainings. We get... Uh, the numbers, uh, we work through a certain program end to end. What do you expect in the in the workspace? How do you handle situations such as A, B, C, and D? Is your CV ready? Um, is your career path aligned? Where are your passions lie? Things that you could, to a certain extent, say are taken for granted. Yeah. Um, but once you're faced with that decision, um, it becomes a lot easier having gone through uh, that path with someone just guiding and making it a bit more seamless. So that's what we do at Talent Corner. Um, we are currently trying as well to to push interactive uh, ways to 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 reach the the graduates and uh, fresh professionals. Um, these are people who don't necessarily want to be sitting down and being lectured to or be told. Um, so platforms such as these, I, yeah. I think they find a bit more uh, interactive and um, they can keep up with. So we we, we push a YouTube channel of the same name. Um, I, I believe this year we'll be putting a, a lot more initiative and uh, effort into actually making sure that we have content that um, young people can keep up with and just try to address some of the areas that may be challenging for them when they work, when they move into the workspace. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I love the fact that you said, you know, at Talent Corner, you specialize on graduates and that's a, an area that's really, really close to your heart. Maybe we should take this opportunity to speak to, um, you know, that talent that's uh, fresh out of university. Maybe I'll say one to three because some people graduate yes. and they spend a bit of time idle waiting for their next job opportunity. What sort of skills do you do you think from a self-agency perspective, can they try and gain, whether through volunteering, uh, offering that time, should they possess before they enter the work, work workplace? We, we already um, touched a bit on this, right? There's, if you go onto the internet now, and I always say to, to uh, most of my clients, he has these things at your disposal. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of uh, appreciating them and maybe getting a bit more guidance around how to then use them, right? If if you get onto the internet, 
almost every year there's a top list of skills that you need to possess to be uh, marketable, to move into the the world of work. Yeah. Um, it was funny, we were talking about this earlier that basically they're usually the same. Uh, mm. One will change is maybe... Um, just the prioritization, the, listing, the prioritization. Mm. Uh, some of them, the names will change. So you also need to be in tune with that, that something like adaptability will be adaptability today. Next year's mm. flexibility, but the key concept is the, the same. same. So like I said, you need to appreciate and know exactly what they are. Also, you need to speak to how, say, for example, if it's ad- adaptability, what employees are looking for is not just you knowing that you're adaptable. It's proving how you are adaptable, right? That's why I was speaking to many making sure that you start engaging in things such as uh, volunteering, um, doing extracurricular activities, taking on, if possible, obviously, uh, taking on maybe side hustles. There's a lot. These are are the side hustle kids Mm. anyway. So they know your side hustle is your job. That's how you're getting your work experience. So when you get into an interview and someone says to you, speak to your negotiation skills. What you're going to do is give examples of how you negotiate um, in your side hustle. Small as it is, it shows to someone that uh, the skill is there. Mm. Uh, At what level, that's another story. But yes, that's another conversation. But that's where you start. Another important thing um, is... There really is no one-size-fits-all approach. Uh, There's a whole lot of areas that you need to work on to make sure that you as an individual Mm. are marketable, right? So Mm. in addition to making sure that your soft skills are ticked against, in addition to making sure that your qualification is good and ready, you need to also explore things such as uh, getting mentors, Right. Um, mentorship is a very is a key uh, area in, in marketing yourself. One, these are people that have been there, done that. Um, a, a lot of people will also tend to confuse mentorship, connections, whatever you call it. But you need to have someone with uh, industry expertise, whatever industry. It doesn't even have to be the same industry that you're in or wanting to go into. It's basically just foundation for someone to set you and guide you throughout the process also hold you accountable because this is someone who's taking up that time uh, to actually work with you so networking attending um conferences attending uh i know a lot of them conferences nowadays they're actually done for free Mm. so a lot of people have the knowledge a lot of people have the experience it's now just giving back so you need to keep your ear on the ground um luckily it's really not a problem these you're always on instagram you're always on facebook the same data that you use to get on these platforms is the same data that you should be using to making sure that uh, you're finding out about the opportunities that are happening um, around the country let's talk about this issue of connections i love that you brought it up i feel Mm. my personal opinion that networking is demonized um you know there's a general narrative that you know connection you know and somewhat I feel those that do not take the time to actively invest in networking put themselves in an idle state or position where they just think about submitting a CV mm. at a reception or they wait for jobs to actually be advertised before they apply for a specific opportunity. What are your thoughts on this? Is it enough for you to just wait for jobs that are openly advertised or to just walk through an office and submit your CV to the receptionist and hope that it comes to your HR department randomly? Uh, what are your thoughts around this thing of connection? Should people actually 
actually invest a lot of time building those connections which come from networking? 100% they should. Yeah. Um, of course, the, the whole connotation of connections and uh, getting jobs de backdoor and I'll mm. give it uh, the answer from a personal and professional mm. perspective right the, the the whole connections thing has taken away or given a bad light to the concept of networking mm. because mm. in its true sense networking is basically just uh, reaching out and exposing yourself to people who will help in your quest to get what you want and mm. in the sense employment or mm. opportunities that are linked to in terms of whether it's realistic to just apply and uh, wait for uh, responses, it's twofold. The reality of it is we know um, because of the unemployment problem, um, there's a lot of people who one are desperate. So you will literally have piles and piles of CVs that you're getting. Really one of those, anything that comes up please give me a shout. Depending on where you are, depending on your approach to recruitment and uh, what your organization needs, you might take those. Um, usually they're considered for when casual employment comes up because remember, most of recruitment, if it's done genuinely anyway, is done uh, in response to a vacancy, yeah. right? So if I'm keeping uh, CVs and a vacancy comes up, it means there has to be a particular one that actually took time. Um, to look at and still remember that I can go back to that box, get Yandi C because she has this qualification. I saw some of her accomplishments are A, B, C, and D, and that uh, gels in nicely with what we're looking for. In other instances, it would be uh, positions that are temporary, so you engage people to say, listen, uh, because I don't want to go the route of screening and advertising and we're trying to do this as quickly as possible, and you seem to take some of these boxes, come through, let's have a chat, and maybe you'd be an... Uh, you'd have an opportunity to, to get to know this person a bit better to see if they fit. But realistically, and I always say these to, to graduates, put yourself on the side of the employer as well, mm. right? Mm. If every single day you're walking in and the receptionist is saying, CV, 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 it means extra work for you. Mm. Um, it means at some point you're going to have to make sure that you do prove that this actually went through the correct um, procedure of recruitment because at the end of the day, we, we are accountable, right? We're humans. We understand how bad the situation is and just how fast it really is. And having that challenge also to be, you know what, as a person, I understand that these people are desperate and I need to do my part. Mm. But as a professional also, you have timelines, you have deadlines, you have other areas to be working on. So it's 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 to a certain extent, a bit unfair most of the time for people to be expecting you to still remember. So what you can do in addition to making sure that you expand your network, also just try to understand how different companies or organizations operate. There are some people who will not even take that CV from the receptionist. You mm. need to find out, find out from the reception themselves. But is this all in vain? What mm. else can I do? If you know uh, the direct lines or just ask for the, for, at the switchboard, can I get through to HR? You get whoever you get and ask, guys, is it possible that I can come in, maybe have a meeting with the person who's recruiting or the person who is responsible for such and such? Yeah. You find out, you know what you're dealing with. That's also working on not disappointing yourself and being as realistic as possible so that you know that when you're targeting the certain organization, there's a certain level where I can actually push and things like that. So you, you also need to understand it from the other party that they also have guidelines and procedures and process for <laughs> reasons that uh, actually are quite understandable. So 
Lorona's recruiters being fair and honest. You just give someone feedback to say, you know what, Andy, we are not in a position to help you like that, but maybe try uh, such and such an organization because they're looking for fresh graduates and ask for some among just trying to meet each other halfway in that sense. Yeah, I think I agree. My experience with this whole process, whether I was on the interviewing panel or being the one who's being interviewed in the room, there's the HR, uh, but of course, then there's also the actual function heads mm. who uh, sometimes might have more influence because their decision bears more weight. And so they'll just basically give HR a directive to say that's the one. But in other organizations, HR actually you know, carries more of the weight and they engage with different function uh, functional heads to make a decision on a particular talent uh, recruitment um, exercise. So I think we're almost towards the end of, of, of our podcast. Um, I don't know if you have any words of advice you'd like to give uh, anyone who's listening in. Sure. And this one I could go on forever, but <laughs> um, I think the best advice that I can give is one, please just be easy on yourself. Um, because of how horribly uh, vast this unemployment issue is. A lot of people tend to be hard on themselves in that they're impatient. It, it can get uh, very overwhelming, of course, and usually that starts eating away at people's mental health, right? Go easy on yourself. Um, it's not a quick fix that once you have uh, the help of Botalent Corner, things are just going to start taking shape immediately. You know, um, try reach out best as possible. Have a supportive uh, structure to fall back on. And the reason why I want to start talking about uh, supporting structure and just proper coping mechanisms is those will be very necessary once you do cross into the world of work, right? And uh, perhaps... Uh, the podcast will at some point pick up on on that issue. Going out, how do you then, once you are there, uh, what are the areas to look out for? There's a whole lot of talk nowadays about toxic environments, and you know you you want to be as realistic as possible um, with people who are not yet in that space to say yes, it is a real um, thing. Uh, it's it's exactly what it is. So you also need to at this point just start making sure that in your application or job search process you have those coping mechanisms that you can still hone in on once you are in the workspace. Um, but yeah, go easy on yourself, put in the work. Um, don't just sit back and expect things to be handed to you. That's another tough reality that you have to deal with once you're in the work world. No one is going to be chasing after you and saying, um, how are you doing? What ideally they should be. But as I've touched a bit here, and the organizations are different. Mm -hmm. um, someone will be focused on return on investment and how you're feeling on that day is none of my business. I need you to get the work done. But you need to start reaching out to people that will be helping you in those areas that uh, at work are not necessarily readily available. So go easy on yourself. Make sure you put in the work. Use the same data that you use for social media to work on uh, your job search and maintaining um, your brand so that by the time um, you are in the market, uh, it's then just navigating the different areas to 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 go through your career path. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us on the Convo Launch Podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for joining us on the very first episode of the HR Couch on the Convalanche podcast. Hope you found that insightful. Remember to follow us on all our social media uh, platforms, uh, particularly Facebook. It's Convalanche Africa.
Convalange. Expression, exposure, experience.